Welcome to the Behind the Bits podcast. Your host, Scott Curtis, wants to learn everything he can about stand-up comedy and take you along for the ride. Scott and his guests talk serious about comedy in every episode. Behind the Bits will uncover knowledge from different perspectives on subjects such as writing and performing stand-up comedy, as well as booking shows and the comedy life. If you're thinking about becoming a stand-up comic, already in the comic game, or a comedy nerd, Behind the Bits is the show for you. Now, let's get Behind the Bits. Brent Terhune on the Behind the Bits podcast. Thanks for coming in, or thanks hey, for man. showing up. <laughs> yeah. I, I had to just uh, get out of my bedroom and walk out into the other room, so yeah. good to be here. <laughs> so I've been, I've been a fan for a long time, and a lot of the comics that I talk to say that you're one of the guys you're you're one of the guys who helps one of the guys who is nice to all the new comics and has the best things to say i even uh got a good um report uh for you from Stuart huff when i talked to wow. him he was my second interview and he he was one of them you're one of them he likes so uh so, <laughs> so i uh you were always on my list to talk to and i'm glad we finally got to talk this is great well, Stuart's a good comic, and uh, yeah, and you mentioned you know uh, I'm nice to new comics, but it just pays to be nice to everybody, especially you know just in general, but especially in comedy because somebody could uh, uh, hit big tomorrow, and you're like, was I uh, mean to that person? You know, <laughs> no doubt. and it it's not even a selfish reason, but why why wouldn't you just be nice? That's yeah. what you you know you should be doing anyway. You know. Yeah. It's, it's easier. It's easier, but it, I know as a comic, it's sometimes hard to see somebody, um, take a couple steps up when, you know, you've been doing the work and, and maybe you think you're a little bit better or whatever, but you know, it's, it's all where you are at the time you're at and who's watching you and all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. There's so much, it's like calculus on how this stuff gets, uh, <laughs> how people get going. But yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's neat to know that, you know, somebody is part of the community that is just, uh, welcoming to, to comics and helping them out. And for some reason, your, your name gets mentioned all the time when I talk about the good guys. So it's, uh, it's great to be talking to you. Um, the first question I have is how long have you been doing comedy? Um, I think it'd be about 14 years. And I, I cause I started when I was 16, so okay. I was really young. Okay. Now what, got you into it who who did you watch uh, you said hey i want to be a comic i would when i was a kid i would s first start to watch um jay leno you know the tonight show and uh -huh. he had the those monologues that felt 15 minutes long um and then you know i would just i'm a night owl anyway so i would stay up to you know 11 30 and then i would stay up to 12 30 and uh, then it was Conan, and I'm a big Simpsons fan. And at, even at the time, I didn't know that Conan worked on The Simpsons. Uh -huh. uh, so it was definitely uh, him. And then I don't know if you can tell, but I, I right there, I have a it's a m memorial show, or I don't know. Uh, it was remembering Mitch Hedberg. Uh -huh. It was uh, here in uh, Anderson, Indiana. I don't know why it wasn't Anderson because I don't think it had any significance uh -huh. to Mitch. 
but I love Mitch Hedberg. Um, I would watch uh, Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock. My brother would rent these. It was, I think it was VHS tapes at the time of these comedy specials. And I would, I would watch them with him. And I was like, this guy's just talking. This is boring. Uh. And then later <laughs> I would, I would be like, Oh, this is actually good. If I just paid attention to it. Yeah. Um, but it was Chris Rock and Dave Chappelle and uh, Mitch Hedberg. And then, you know, the Simpsons and, and Conan and stuff like that. Mm. So obviously it must have hit you pretty early that you wanted to do it. <laughs> if you started at 16, how did you get up on stage and do it when you were 16? I started at my high school. They had things called coffee houses. So it was kind of like an open mic um, and people did poetry and uh, acoustic guitar and stuff like that. So I just went up and did stand up. And then I think I was a sophomore. So then I started to host the, the battle of the bands and I did the talent shows that I would open up for like the improv troupe at my high school. They just, they just called it whose line is it anyway? Uh-huh. And, uh, I would, I would just open up for them. And then eventually I started to do the improv too. But I remember one of my first, uh, significant bombs was opening for them. Cause I was trying to do new jokes because I had the same audience yeah. every yeah. time. And I remember just dying and just, uh, just as like, I'm just going to, I did the set and I'm like, I'm just going to disappear. I don't want to be around when these people leave. Uh, <laughs> now, w when you have a terrible set like that, obviously your first one, it, it, it cuts like a knife because, you know, those jokes are your babies and you, mm -hmm. you, you want them to do well. Did you feel like just saying, okay, I'm done with this after that one? Um, I don't know that those performances were so infrequent. Maybe, maybe the first year I did stand up maybe five times, if that. So maybe it was, even if I wanted to be done, uh, the, the, it, the times in between were enough to heal to come back. Mm -hmm. And there's usually one person per school who is willing to actually do the emceeing type thing and, and mm -hmm. do the jokes and stuff like that. So you would be the go-to guy anyway, even if you didn't want to. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I, I think back, I don't, I'm sure it was really cringe worthy uh, <laughs> being a host and we, uh, it was me and another guy. And then the next year it was me and somebody else. And we both put scripts together. So, it, you know, it was, uh, we had jokes and stuff, but I'm sure they were terrible, but, you know, what What do you expect when you're a junior in high school or a senior in high school? Yeah, no doubt. So from uh, high school, what what was your path then? What Did, did you uh, try the career path or college or did you uh, just uh, really dig doing the comedy and want to keep doing that? I went to college and I got a, a scholarship. So I was, you know, I'm, I was smart and poor. So that yeah. always helps <laughs> if you can be both those things. Uh, but. I, I went to uh, college. So as soon as I, w I got out of high school, I started to go to the local club and you had to be 18. I was only 17. So maybe mm -hmm. even before graduation, I was going, but um, nobody said anything to me. I didn't ask to be like, Hey, can I get a beer? Nobody said anything to me. And I just was doing stand up, And then um, that, like that summer. So I wasn't going to school. I was at open mic every Tuesday, whether I was getting on or not. And then eventually by that Halloween, I got to host. So they gave me a host week and then that mm -hmm. became a regular reoccurring monthly thing. Oh, that's cool. And that was the, that was the goal for that summer is I want to be able to host and I want to do 10 minute spots. And I want to do five of those in a week. Mm -hmm. Where were you going to school? 
uh, University of Indianapolis. Oh, cool. Okay. And so I was doing the, the radio program, the electronic media. So uh-huh. this, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's cool because you're in a you're in a city there where there's stuff going on and uh, a few places doing comedy even mm-hmm. even at that time. So that's cool. When you um, when you were doing the uh, emceeing and and seeing other comics around, did you uh, like get into a group of of people who were kind of your support group, or how did that work out for you? Uh, I met you know you you just meet comics and. Uh, you probably know as well as I do is sometimes with comics, it's you befriend somebody, but then they may be gone in three weeks because yeah. comedy is not for everybody. So there were definitely those of my age group, but it's the weirdest thing. Like now, you know, now some of my best friends are 20 years older than me. Yeah. Which, you know, it's, it's weird <laughs> that the different people I've met um, or, you know, now some people are 10 years uh, younger than me or, I'm I'm older in comedy years, but they're still older than me. So it's like we're giving each other advice. Yeah. When I'm like, I should be listening to you. Um, but yeah, you definitely get the support group. And then I think especially with comedy, if you're new to a scene, the comics that are established, they know that you may be gone next week. So they're they'll maybe be friendly, but they're not gonna be like, Hey, won't you come out? and hang out with us or whatever. There's yeah. like a six month or a year grace period where uh, if you just start to do well and show that you're going to be around for a little bit, then you're accepted. Yeah. And that, that eventually I got accepted into that group and they would be like, Hey, w- we hang out at the club on Fridays. Come hang out with us. Yeah. That type of thing. And you don't get notes. Uh, pe- people don't uh, give you any critique on your sets when you first mm-hmm. start going up but yeah i think you're right it's right about six months where people say hey that was good but try this <laughs> and stuff like that so yeah that's that's funny it's funny when you talk about the age thing because i'm probably about 25 years older than you and mm-hmm. comedy there it's one of the few places where age doesn't matter at all when you're when mm-hmm. you're talking amongst yourselves it's just like you go into a group and uh, i mean they may give you shit because you're old or something like that but as far as having a deep conversation about comedy the age just doesn't matter it, it's, yeah. it, it's a universal type of uh, art so mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how old or how young young you are if if you're doing if you're doing things well and it's great and i think it also as far as comics go it also goes with like genres i mean if you if you're like an alt comic or you you do a character i mean i think everybody but ventriloquists are pretty cool so uh (laughs) (laughs) i'll have a ventriloquist on sometime and they'll probably have heard that but (laughs) but i heard you were talking shit yeah (laughs) But yeah, it's 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 pretty cool how you can just walk up to a group of other comics after you've done your set, and it doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. That's really cool. Well, uh, and then it's also like an understood language. Uh, you know, I'm sure if you were a mechanic, you can kind of talk mechanic, yeah, to somebody else that's a mechanic. So with comedy, you know, once you're you're in a little bit, you can start to talk comedy. And that's a common ground, and you've never met this person before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bits and tags and setups and mm-hmm. punches, all, all, all that stuff. And yeah, you, you can, you can talk about that, and the, and, and that's great. So as you're doing this uh, while you're in school, did you like decide, okay, this is 
what I want to make my life. This is what I want to do. Um, and go for it. Or did you have to work for a while and do it on the side or how did that work for you? Well, you know, I got that first host week and I, then I realized at the end that they, they give you a check at the end of the week for, uh-huh. you know, as compensation to me, you know, <laughs> you know, you don't ever tell anybody this, but you're like, I'd be doing this for free. Yeah. And, you know, uh, you know, back then I would have, of course, but, uh, <laughs> they give you money and all I wanted was the stage time and, you know, the opportunity to work during a weekend. Mm. So I realized, uh, it was then I think I moved out of my mom's and got my own apartment and, uh, that, that check for hosting was my rent. Like uh-huh. pretty much I could take one and just replace it with the other. Um, so, and then I was working part-time in a hospital and going to school. I was uh, in the kitchen at the hospital. And then I graduated high school, moved back in with my mom. Um, and then I got a job working for Bob and Tom. It's a, a, a radio show that's syndicated mm-hmm. across the country as a um, contributing writer, which I still do that now. Mm-hmm. But that then that replaced the hospital job. Okay. I, I, I was doing every other weekend and I would have to be there at six 30 in the morning. And it's a, it's a, um, I don't know. It's a sobering is not the right word, but it's a big contrast from being on stage at 10 PM and doing really well. And then six 30 PM, you're putting drink uh, drinks on trays for patients yeah. and nobody cares how well you did the night before. Yeah. <laughs> or I was working in the dish room and it was, uh, you know, eight hours to myself and I would have headphones in and it was plenty of time to think, how can I get out of this? Yeah. Yeah. I need to work harder at that to st- stop doing this. Yeah. No so, doubt. um, and then, you know, I moved back in with my mom in 2012 around there. And then I lived there for a long time and I was doing stand up. you know, f- full time. I had limited bills. Um, and then, you know, ever since then, I haven't had a job besides stand up or writing of some sort. So, uh, you know, if anybody wants to do that, you just got to have your bills low and realize that you got to live with somebody that's cool with you being around and yeah. not really paying much of anything. <laughs> that's great. Um, how did you get the Bob and Tom gig? I, I was an intern. My friend Jeff Oske, he's another guy that you should talk to okay. uh, in Indianapolis, but he was already working for them. Um, so I, I was an intern through the radio program at University of Indianapolis, and I knew he had that job. So that's what I wanted was a, a job like his. So I wrote, I would probably write eight hours a day with going to school. Instead. Some days were eight, some days were less, but mm-hmm. I treated it like a job, like I already had the job. And at the end of it, you know, of course I got college credit, but then Tom was like, we're just going to hire you. So I've been doing that ever since. And it's a good you know, if I'm not writing for myself, which I, you know, you tell everybody you should, but you know, come on, Uh, (laughs) but I'm actively writing every day. And, uh, you know, sometimes on a news story, that's what we do is kind of like monologue style jokes, like, you know, Fallon would do, um, yeah, the news story, and then you can see what everybody has written. So, maybe your first three jokes are the same jokes that I would do and you would do, but jokes four five and six are stuff that I thought of because you took all the good jokes uh, yeah, or the obvious jokes that people would go to. So I think that's helped my writing and stand up and everything else because you, you learn to not settle for the first joke. That's going to become a meme. 
uh-huh. that, you know, if some guy that also drives the truck, but he's really funny and he thought of that too, that's cool. But you also, if you're a comedian, you want to be funnier than everybody else. Yeah. You, you, so it's re- go ahead. Th- well, there's the obvious, the, you know, there's a obvious mm-hmm. with all the news stories, the, the obvious take that, you know, that 10 other people are going to have some version of it. And, mm-hmm. and you gotta, you, you gotta bring it from, you know, either personal experience or something that's going to be totally different that, you know, nobody else can mm-hmm. replicate that. Yeah. yeah, it's even when there's a big news story, it's it's not even people are stealing jokes. It's y'all just thought of the same joke. If oh, you yeah. go on Twitter and the founder of Ikea died and the joke is, oh, they had to assemble his coffin. Yeah. I mean, I thought of that, too. And it's a good joke, but so did everybody else. Yeah. So Yeah. I'm on a couple Facebook writing groups. I can't remember what I wrote, but, it, you know, I wrote it and this guy uh, called me a hack and, and said, uh, you know, that's, th- that's already been done. And he sent, he, he sent a link that, uh, um, of pretty much the exact wording I did. And mm-hmm. it, but it was also the day before. So it was, it was just parallel thinking, you know, we were just yeah. thinking the same thing. So, you know, that's, that's the way it goes. You know, it's funny you did Bob and Tom because, you know, I was listening to them in the, um, I lived in India in the eighties, mm-hmm. um, before they, um, were syndicated. I, I, they may have been syndicated to a couple places, but not, not much. And it's funny. I worked in a mall at Washington square mall and, uh, at a restaurant there, I was a manager and I'd always have them on the loudspeakers, like really super loud. And, uh, there was a bank right next door and they would always come over and tell me to turn it down because <laughs> I think they opened at eight or something like that. And we didn't mm-hmm. open until 10 30, but yeah, I, I've been listening to them forever. And, uh, yeah, it's 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 uh neat that you get the right form you've been on the show a few times too haven't you mm-hmm. yeah it was yeah that was fun just being especially being a guy from indiana that's the end indiana validation of yeah. you, you might be funny but have you done bob and tom so yeah. that was cool to be on the show yeah yeah that's that's really neat so as you're as you're developing your act and stuff like that you know i you, you've got a pretty particular point of view in your comedy i've watched some of your stuff and and um it seems like it's so easy for you that you're just getting out there and you're just having a conversation with the audience you're just you're just telling them stuff and Mm -hmm. what at what point did you feel so comfortable on stage that you could just do that and do it for an hour yeah i don't know that i could pinpoint it and sometimes i'm still like not comfortable but you learn to fake it but Mm. uh i guess there's a point in your career that you know whenever that comes for you but you learn to not you learn to not care because you know that there's going to be another show Mm. you you have to look like you don't care but also ever you also want to do well (laughs) you know we all want to do well yeah but you have to realize that th- this show that you're doing is not the end all be all. Some shows are that uh, certain points in your career. But, you know, if you're uh, if you're doing five shows that week and you just do a show that's OK, that's not the end of the world. Do you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Right. Um, so I guess you learn to, f- I guess, fake, you know, confidence or and then sometimes you just become confident mm-hmm. uh, because you've been doing it so well. And, you know, you you trust your act so much that, you know, if you get into a hole, you can also just go back to your regular jokes and get laughs with those. Mm -hmm. 
How do you work out new material now? Uh, I mean, I try to go to open mics when I can, because then, then there's no, nobody's as far as I, I know, nobody's paying anything to be there. They mm. know it's an experiment and uh, it's, it's a chance to say stuff that I may have just thought of or in the middle of a show. Like I just said, if, if two minutes of year 45 are okay, mm-hmm. it's not the end of the world. Cause the audience doesn't really know. Cause to them, if they've never seen you, all that stuff is new anyway. Right. Yeah. So yeah. And that's what people are always concerned with. Oh, I got to write a new hour. And, and, and some people, if you, if you're have a Netflix special, you probably should, but to everybody else, you know, 1% of the population of earth maybe has heard of you. Uh-huh. So there's old jokes are new to everybody, but you know, with that said, you all, you all should just should be writing new jokes anyway, you know? Right. Right. When you're uh, doing, when you're doing 45 and uh, say you're the headliner, do you go out there with a list of, uh, bits that you're going to do like in a certain order in your mind or how do you do it? Do you riff? Do, do you go back and forth? What, what type of style do you do when you're, when you're going up there? I think sometimes it just depends on the, how the show is gone. Um, you know, I always have my bits that I can go back to and, and sometimes I have an order if I'm really trying to work on something specific. Um, but I can go. Uh, I can go up without looking at notes. I prefer not to because I'd rather, you know, use the stage time to use it for something. Right. Um, but uh, you know, I have maybe my a couple opening jokes that I know will work, and then I can go from there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, and it just depends. Sometimes they don't want jokes. Sometimes they want you to talk to them, and sometimes that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're just like <laughs> looking for anything to to get a laugh. So. Yeah. Uh, it's that one thing where there's is a fine there's a fine line between sticking to your guns and also going with what they want, you know. Because uh, sometimes your crowd work and your interactions aren't going to be as funny as your jokes because it's in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you just got to feel the room out, and that's just. And I try to watch if there are comics before me. I try to watch what they're doing because maybe I have a joke that's similar to theirs or I can call back to something and that's, that's instant. Like you get credibility because everybody wants the, the audience wants you to be friends. Yeah. You know, um, with the other comics mm-hmm. and it's also like, Oh, they, they don't like that type of joke that he just did. So I won't do it. You yeah. know? Do you have like uh do you have like uh different sets that you can go to for different types of audiences? Uh, I do, you know, and sometimes I'll I'll work like a corporate show. It's you know squeaky clean, mm. um, and then I I'm not filthy anyway. Just by I don't know if it was by design, but you you can perform anywhere when you're cleaner. Yeah, you know you can't say certain things on the radio now on TV. It's kind of you could say whatever really, but you know. Um, I do maybe more so I'll take some jokes and my, my delivery will pick up rapidly mm-hmm. because if you give an audience a chance to breathe, they'll take over. Yeah. But yeah. if you're loud and if you don't give them a chance and now I have the luxury to do that cause I have more material than I ever have before. But 
maybe if I was five years in, it's like, I got to say all these jokes just to have 30 minutes (laughs) and I got to say them slowly and I got to pace. And, but then if I did that, the audience would just take over because there's an opening and they saw it. Yeah. But now, you know, and you've probably been in the same, same situation where you end up doing 45 minutes of jokes in 30 minutes just because the laughs weren't coming or for whatever reason. And that just comes with time and and writing, you know, when you talk about an audience taking over, are you, are you talking about like um, they start talking to you then? And it's not necessarily a heckle, but audiences, there's always a certain percentage of them that want to be part of the show. Uh, Mm -hmm. Is that, is that what you talk about when they're taking over? That or, or they're heckling or sometimes you're in an audience that just that you're in a place that's not conducive to comedy. Maybe it's the first time they've ever done comedy. And there was one in the past year that I did where it was, I don't know that it had roadhouse in the title, but that's Uh what it was. And (laughs) they didn't turn the TVs off. And, you know, it's not their fault that they were out on the same night that there was a show and the people all the way in the back were playing pool and having a good time like they should be. Yeah. Um, and that's that's not anybody's fault. Yeah. But, you know, if if you slip and have a joke that's OK and not good, then they'll just go back to whatever they are doing. So that's what I mean more about taking over is not, not even taking over, but losing them. Yeah. And that's hard to maintain. 45 minutes of that anyway you're probably not gonna have a 10 out of 10 show yeah and it's really hard to do 45 in a venue that's not set up for comedy Mm -hmm. i mean there's there's a science I, i there's such a science behind it you know the the dim lighting the low ceiling, you know, mm-hmm. the, the seats up close to the bar and, or up close the, to the stage and yeah, the elevated stage, but not too high. Yeah. Yeah. Like just maybe a step up. And if you can reach out and touch the first table, yeah, if you can touch the first table and then touch the ceiling, mm-hmm. that's ideal for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's, there's so much to be said for that. I, I produced a couple shows up here that were in a, a rock bar, which mm-hmm. was, I mean, it was okay, but the, the even though I moved the tables up closer, they weren't close enough, and mm-hmm. the stage was, I think, three and a half feet up, and so it was, you know, it was, it was different. And mm-hmm. then I did, I did the same place. I, I did that three or four times, and the last time I did it, instead of doing the stage, I just set up on the floor and, and mm-hmm. had one light can uh, on the performers, and that actually went better. I felt like they, they yeah. were more into it, but. That's, yeah, that's really weird how that just that that step forward and down is makes the world a difference for yeah. some reason. Yeah. And yeah. it's like that connection, which I could probably reach out and touch the guy his hand on stage. But it just if he's right here, it works so much better for some reason. Yeah. Um. So you've been traveling around for quite a few years now. Have you ever um, gotten to a point where you said, you know, okay, I'm done. This is, this, this isn't for me anymore. And I'm just going to, I'm going to go do something else. Uh, I, I haven't, I've had the thing where I'm like, I don't like this as much right now. <laughs> you, <Yeah>. know? <laughs> you know, sometimes you get, uh, you get too close to the thing that you love 
and it, it doesn't give back what you want out of it, maybe. Or like we talked at the beginning of the, the conversation, maybe somebody that started after you is now way ahead of you doing something. And you just have to come to terms with you have to go at your own pace. And sometimes people will hit and sometimes they won't. Sometimes you won't ever. Mm-hmm. And you have to be satisfied with your work. And and, and then I, I start to like comedy again if I maybe come up with a new bit that is kind of, you know, not my, the usual stuff that I've been saying, but there have definitely been times where I'm like, I'm just going to not try as hard for a little bit because it's too, you get like when I first started comedy was the hobby that, and the, you mm. know, in my spare time, I'm learning about comedy. And now that comedy is more of a job, I still love it. But then you also got to have something that's not comedy. Yeah. Just for the, if nothing else for the sake of, talking about something that's not comedy. So your family and friends will actually want to hang out with you, but also just for material sake to, you got to go do some stuff. That's not just comedy to come back to talk about it. Yeah. You got to have some life that's uh, that's Mm -hmm. different. Yeah. I I can dig that. Yeah. If you want to be relatable, you know, you could be funny and talk about comedy, which is great. But also if you, you know, want to be funny on the radio to um, millions of people that don't care about, comedy you know yeah. it's hard much harder yeah no doubt have you uh as you in, in your travels when you've worked with other comics have you run into some people that you just thought were like the best in the world and they really inspired you and uh you you just felt like they were it and um you've seen them either go on to do well or get the business completely uh, I don't know that I've seen anybody get out of the business completely. Um, I mean, we were before we were talking about Stuart Huff, and yeah. and this is not because he was like, oh, I you know I like Brent, but the what what Stuart Huff does if you've never seen his comedy, now they're more like one man shows. He's he's got an overall theme to his shows, yeah. and um, I don't know, just his writing, his his pace of he can have a show done in a year and that's not how I operate at all. You know, um, him or somebody like Roy Wood jr. Uh, who's now on the daily show and you know, Roy and I were friendly, but we're not friends by any means. So I don't want to just seem like I'm talking about people that I know, but Mm. him or Chad Daniels and Chad Daniels is a, a good example to me because you know, I'm, I'm in the Midwest, I'm in Indianapolis, Indiana. So there's not a ton going on comedy wise, but he lives in Minnesota. As far as I can, I know like outside of Minneapolis where there's no comedy, Yeah. but every time I see him, he's always got brand new stuff. It's always so funny. So that's an inspiration to, I don't know, maybe he's just that good, but it's also, I like to think that he's working at home, working really hard. So when he hits the stage, he's ready to take advantage of those opportunities. Um, I like Greg Warren a lot. I think Mm -hmm. he's always just been a great, uh, great writer. Um, I'm sure there are tons more, but those are the guys that always come to mind to me. Yeah, that's great. Um, folks, if you are watching on Facebook, we're going to say bye-bye for now, but uh, you can Uh, subscribe to behind the bits podcast on all the apps and listen to the whole interview with Brent when that comes out. So say bye-bye Brent. I'm getting ready to take my clothes off and, uh, (laughs) and tell you who in Hollywood has done evil things. So that's why you have to listen to the rest of the show. Oh, thank you. Thank you.
Okay, we're not live anymore. Cool. Yeah, yeah the um, I, do, doing that uh, seems to, it's helped my uh, subscribership quite a bit. Oh, for sure. Those old it's, teasers and, yeah. And it's that, hard for that, somebody to to like listen to a whole hour thing, but if they see a little bit of it, it's a, it's a, you're doing a trailer for your podcast yeah. essentially. Yeah. That kind of uh, segues into what you do that a lot of comics say they don't want to do. And that is really market yourself. And, and you know, when I go to your YouTube channel, I, I don't know how many videos are there, but it's more than I can watch in a day, I think. I mean, there's d- just so much stuff, and obviously you do some characters and, and, and you do some topics and stuff like that. When did that start for you? A couple of years ago, um, when I realized, you know, when I realized I'm in Indianapolis, and if nobody vouches for me, then nobody nobody's going to vouch for me unless it's me. Mm-hmm. And just so I started making videos in general, but you know, there, I, I guess if we're going to talk about the videos, there's two different kinds. There's the, the, the redneck satirical stuff and then everything else. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, you know, I try to make something ever as evergreen as possible. So if you see it in three years, it's not time sensitive. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, re- I just realized that with the internet, there's a, that's a tool to reach an audience to set up uh, fan bases and cities where I'll go and they'll actually want to come see me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, cause w- with one of those videos, I'm reaching more people than I'll perform for in the next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so. you're, I mean, you're getting a lot of hits and you know, you're, you, you do blow up on Twitter. That seems to be your, uh, your social media of choice. And it's funny how different, comics do different things and Mm -hmm. uh but you know i i follow you and i you know i see that uh you know sometimes you'll you'll get going and there's a lot of folks out there that don't understand you know the the redneck conspiracy guy um Mm -hmm. you know uh a lot of people don't get the irony in that and and they they think that you really are the redneck conspiracy Mm -hmm. guy (laughs) yeah it's it's bizarre because at first i did it and it was just a reaction to people burning Nike stuff because of people taking a knee dirt yeah. before football, you know, mm. and then it kind of caught on. And I realized that that character is evergreen as far, you know, we'll see if Trump gets reelected and you know how that will react. But that, that type of guy is always going to be around because it's the type of guy that will rant in his truck. Yeah. That's the kind of like thing that I always go to, it's always like an an angry guy that can fix the world from the front seat of his truck. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, and that, there's never a lack of material with that either. And it's weird because before it was Facebook that was hitting pretty hard. Mm. And then for whatever reason, whether it was the, uh, I, you know, hate to use the word algorithm with social media type stuff. Cause it seems so lame, but yeah. Maybe they w- it wasn't as hitting as hard, so I changed the format a little bit. I shortened it. I put it on Twitter, and for some for some reason, the past two months it's really hit. I, yeah. For I don't for I don't know, you know, whatever reason. Have you ever? I mean, obviously we're in lockdown now, but uh, have you ever done shows where people come up and say, "I just came to see you because I saw your video." 
Yeah, true. That especially, uh, and that they'll, then they'll be like, "We didn't know what you were going to do." Because now, even a lot of people, I've been doing stand up for fourteen years, but they don't even they didn't know that I was a stand up. Yeah. So they're like, "We didn't know what you were going to do." Yeah. So that that's on me to make the audience understand that I do stand up. But with that character now on on Twitter and stuff, I if I release one of those videos, I change my whole profile and my picture. Yeah. And the bio. Uh, to make it seem real to me, because it's uh, I don't I'm not trying to like troll people because they'd be like, dude, you're a great troll. I'm like, I don't think that's what I am. I'm a I'm a playing a character, and then they'll say I'm a parody account. But when a video will cool down, I'll switch back to me, mm. so I can do normal jokes because I do I do have a need if I think of something funny, I want to tweet it out. But it's also sometimes the jokes don't match that character, you know? Yeah. Um but I'll change everything just cause it's, it's a fun experiment to see what people will say. And a lot of times people don't even bother to watch. And what's worse is they watch and they still don't understand <laughs> that it's satirical and whatever I'm saying is actually the opposite of what I mean type stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think I would think as soon as you call it the Corolla virus, it would, it would just, you know, that would yeah. say, okay, satire, but nope. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is, it is weird because the line for how crazy have people, people have gotten is so bizarre. Now uh, there's a, there'd be a guy in his backyard who sounds exactly like me, but he means every word he's saying, you yeah. know? Oh yeah. And yeah. I try to have those clues as far as, you know, um, I I'll, I'll start it off with, I seen on Fox news yeah. or, you know, the Corolla virus or, um, just the, what saying what on flat earth, like <laughs> some of these things where it's like, if you missed all these clues, then yeah. I, I can't help you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, all press is good press. So, uh, even, even, even if they, uh, think you're serious, uh, they're going to remember your name. So, you know, yeah. that's, that's, that's the, uh, plus side of all that. When you think about what you want to do with the rest rest of your comedy career, I mean, we've all had a lot of time to think about it now. Um, if you were to come out of this, what would be like the best thing to happen to you? Um, I mean, to, what I've always wanted is just people to show up to my shows on purpose. But, <laughs> that, you know, I don't know, man. Uh, I think comedy, if you look at people like uh, Burt Kreischer or Joe Rogan, you know, all the stuff that they do is just to uh, funnel people into their live shows. That's what Chris Rock was talked about one time is everything I do is to get you to come see my show, you know? Mm. Um, so I guess it would just, you know, people to come out to see my shows and to create stuff and have fun. You know, I'm a believer that if you're having fun doing what you're doing, then the people that'll like it are also having fun. Yep. And, you know, just create more videos and uh, podcasting. And I think that's just a way the pressure's off to be funny, funny all the time. But also some people just want to hear a conversation about the stuff that they like. So, you know, any just any advice to anybody, you didn't ask for it, but take what you like and make it funny because you're already doing those things. So if mm. you watch the NBA and that's your thing, do something creative with that because half of the work is done. Yep. Yep. That makes but, yeah. sense. That but after, of... you know, 
Go ahead. Sorry. Well, I'm sorry. That goes into my next question on, on what your writing process is. Do you have like a set time of day that you write or do you just write stuff down as it comes? You know, how, how have you been able to build up your, your, uh, cachet of, uh, material? Well, and, and it depends on f- for what reason we're talking about stand up. That's, I mean, it's, that's been so hard lately for me to write because with that, with that character, there's a clear, concise way yeah. I need to take the point of view. But with, with just for me, it's, I could take that anywhere where yeah. it's like knowing that character than better than I know me, I guess, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so, and that, that comes slower, which I should try harder with that but then the, also it's like i gotta write every day for bob and tom which is good it forces me to write and it makes me stronger in other aspects of writing but then with those the the videos the redneck videos or whatever sometimes something just happens and yeah. you you gotta just react to it right now because yeah. part of those videos is why they get so many views is because it's a hot topic right <clears throat> yeah it's, so it's easy to get those tags in there yeah yeah, and that and that's why you know if you if you ever tried to calculate a viral video, which I it, sometimes it just happens, but if you piggyback on something that's a hot topic, like you know a couple weeks ago or a month ago, whatever it was, was Tiger King was the thing mm. that everybody was talking about, and before that, it was Baby Yoda type Star Wars stuff, and it just goes in cycles. So if you're looking to to get some views, you piggyback off that type of stuff. Cause the, again, half the work is done. Mm. People already, you know, you don't need an introduction. You just go into whatever you're talking about. Um, so with that, you know, with writing in general, it's, I don't know, some, and sometimes I just, I'm funnier than other times, you know, <laughs> yeah. I can tell when I write, so when I sit down to write, I'm like, well, today's not my day, you yeah. know, <laughs> Do you, so it just that just comes and goes, you know. Yeah. Do you feel like you're like always on as far as writing's concerned? Like when you go to the store, you're looking for material. When you're talking to your cousin, you're looking for material. It is, is do you feel like that's always in the back of your mind that you're just trying to find something that you could turn into a bit? I mean, yeah, that's always in the back of my mind. Is that cause this could be something, but <clears throat> I don't know. Also, sometimes it's just it's okay to live and not be looking for a bit all the time, but then sometimes you're like, man, how, how is this? How do I not talk about this stuff? Yeah. 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 That's great. You talked about the podcast a little bit. And, um, if, if there's any comics out there that don't have a a podcast, I don't know who they are because it seems like everybody does. I kind of like the, um, field trip. I like the, the angle you're taking on there and the, you don't have like a single subject that you talk about. It's something new every week. Can you Mm -hmm. talk a little bit about that? Yeah. And that, that kind of came about cause I've done two other podcasts and, and, you know, and I guess my stand up career, but <clears throat> one of them was, uh, you know, comedy centric, but also, you know, it was one of the, it was with Jeff Oske and Matt Holt, mm-hmm. um, my, you know, friends from Indy and Oske always had something crazy happen to him every week. So mm-hmm. it was kind of a fun general talk show. Um, the other one was strictly pro wrestling, <clears throat> and that was a lot of work because you had to watch, you know, five or six hours of TV before you even turned on a, a mic, you know? Yeah. So now with field trip with as much as I tour, you know, the format is to try and bank some episodes. So maybe 
if I got nothing going on this week, I can get four episodes done and be set for a month, you know? Mm. And, and those that, that comes from um, the topics just come from stuff that I like. Um, and I think would be interesting topics. And it's also good because if you don't like uh, the episode about parody religions, you might like SNL movies, yeah, you know? Right. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, it, I think it lends itself to, if this is not your episode, you can come back and enjoy something else. And with that one, there's no set co-host. I've had my, uh, my friend, Tony Foxworthy, he's probably been on the most because uh-huh. he's the most available to me, but I also think we click really well, you know, but <clears throat> it lends itself to, you know, when I ask somebody to be on my podcast, I'd be like, what do you want to talk about? What do you think you're good at? <clears throat> and again, it comes down to that thing of maybe you like the the NBA. That's not my thing, but I can do some research and we can talk about it. Yeah. So it's kind of like it, not necessarily interviewing an expert, but interviewing where the, the conversation is easy to you, you yeah. know? Yeah. Something they're passionate about and mm-hmm. they, they actually have some history with and can talk about and make mm-hmm. an interesting hour, hour or so. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing is if, if not, I think a great rule in stand up is if you're not funny, at least be interesting. Yeah. No, you know? no. <laughs> <laughs> at least me wanting to keep me one, one, wanting to hear what you're going to say next. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, people, people need to pay attention and the, that's uh, interesting. Always helps with that. Um, thinking about when you started and where you're at now, I asked just about everybody this, what three things do you wish you would have known when you started that, you know, now, um, I would say that you got a network and you got a, step outside your comfort zone. Cause even now when I go to a club that I don't know, or more so even a comedy festival, and they're just those comics, you know, men and women that are just so good at talking to people. They say all the right things. And that is just not me. Yeah. Uh, even now I struggle with just being a, not even in a crowd. I don't think it's an anxiety thing, but it's just like trying to get those words in, to feel part of the conversation. Yeah. Um, so I don't even know how you fix that. Maybe some people you just don't, but I would try and network more. I would be on the, the more end of the, just being tech savvy and up to date with trends because, you know, you and I, we just talked about a podcast. We talked about videos and, uh, but then also you don't, you don't want to, put the cart before the horse and put out some bad stuff because then you're burning people on, you know, videos. But then at the same time, probably in a year, if you put out a good one and a lot of people find you, they didn't see all the crap videos. Yeah. So that's a give and take of, you gotta, you gotta practice somewhere, Hmm. but I would, I would not limit myself to stand up is what I would say. Yeah. On that. What do you think about, um, the, the videos that you have up now and if you change gears and all of a sudden um, you're going to be in a sitcom or something like that, do you, th- do you, would you leave those videos up or would you maybe take those down? No, I would, I would leave them up. I mean, it, it is what it is. And all those are for, for a joke anyway. So most times if you didn't want to work with me, then I probably wouldn't want to work with you anyway, uh-huh. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> and you, you have to realize, you know, there's more, op- there's so many more opportunities out there 
and now I think everything happens on such a smaller scale, you know, with before with the tonight show with Carson, you know, they always talk about and whether it's true, I don't know, but you get that one set on Carson and now you have your own show, you're on tour. Yeah. That just doesn't happen anymore. You know, right. I know people that have done late night shows and that they're, they still feature at certain clubs, which that's, that's fine. But before, if you had that late night spot, that mean that meant so much more, you know? Oh yeah. So you look at TV ratings, everything is down because there are so many options to do. So you, now it's about finding your niche audience uh, as you know. So if you like those videos, then that's for you. Mm. And you know, I'll take that audience. Cause before nobody was, coming to see me really on purpose anyway. So, <laughs> you know, uh, so I would leave those videos up cause I, and I think that, you know, I'm proud of those videos, whatever they are, because, uh, you know, I think the writing is good. And if you don't get what I do, then you just, you're just not going to anyway, you mm. know, you know, it's funny. I, I talked to, you know, a lot of different comics and it's almost 50, 50 on, uh, a lot of, fo- a lot of comics don't do the, the, the actual topic videos or the, the, you know, the character type guy videos, mm-hmm. but they put up their sets, you know, they'll, mm-hmm. they'll put up a set from, you know, five or 10 years ago. And, uh, you know, half of them say that they start to take them down when they, when they start to get better. And half of them say they keep them up cause they, they want to want people to know how bad they were you know, <laughs> when, when they started and how much better they are now. So it's, it's funny. There's different opinions on that. And, uh, I, I, I think, you know, personally, I, I, I keep all my stuff up and a lot of it's just stupid, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's fun. You know, that's a reflection. And the, sometimes the audience doesn't get that. They'll comment on a video and be like, Oh, this is terrible. Well, it was a good joke, but it's also, you got to put it in time and context and place. And some people just don't do that. And if you're not going to do that anyway, you're the same type of person that won't watch a movie because it's black and white. You yep. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Where it was <laughs> like you, uh, when you put something out on the internet, you just have to know that there's going to be some people that are going to say some things that are going to hurt your feelings. Uh-huh. And if you know that from the jump, it makes it so much easier. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. So you've got Mr. Rogers on the, on the uh, wall mm-hmm. behind you. Uh, is there a story behind that? I just like Mr. Rogers. I, well, I, you know, I have Mr. Rogers and you can't tell because of the light, but then that's jo- a headshot of George Carlin. Carlin yeah. I, I don't know if you can tell. So, I mean, to me, and this, this is where I write, I have all these, you know, over there is I'm a big horror collector, my wife and oh, I. Cool. So, yeah. Um, I don't know. Just this, this is just a room that when I was living with my mom and my wife, you know, she was living there for a couple of years with us too. And we didn't have space for all this type of stuff. Mm -hmm. So now that we have our own house, um, it was just cool to be able to have a space to at least hang your stuff up, but also be creative. This, you know, I do a lot of the videos in this room and, you know, all this stuff is uh, on um, those uh, uh, tear away things. So Mm -hmm. I'm not, you know, so I can take all this down and now it's a blank wall for me to do a video. Yeah. Um, but what, what you were saying was Mr. Rogers and George Carlin. I just think that if I can like me as a person, if I can be between Mr. Rogers and George Carlin, then I'm, I'm not too bad of a person. Yeah. You know? 
<laughs> That's great. I always I always tell people that whether you like Carlin or not, you should listen to his albums in order uh, from from the first ones he did to the last ones because it's 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 a huge change first of all, but he was funny the whole time and mm-hmm. and totally different comic when he started than when he ended. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's it's just really fun to watch that because comics grow and and also one of the things you mentioned right at the beginning when we were talking is about um working clean and a lot Mm -hmm. of a lot of comics just want to get right into their edgy stuff right away and they think they're going to build a following that way and and that's really everybody knows that's ever done it for any amount of time that doesn't work um mm-hmm. you, you you have to get a following be funny and then then you can bring the edginess in when you're when you're ready for it and when your audience is ready for it yeah it's a, it's a, one of those where you got to learn to shoot layups before you can shoot threes yeah <laughs> because if if you don't know how to use a do a layup but you're shooting threes you're probably pretty bad at it yeah. you know <laughs> <laughs> and it it's one of those where it, both Carlin and uh and Pryor both had those epiphany moments in their careers. Mm. And for Carlin it was him on stage in Vegas I think and the you know he got fired and he was like I said ass in a town whose game is known as craps. Yeah. That that was the <laughs> joke and then Pryor I think was on stage and he was trying to be Bill Cosby but it, that's just not who he was and yeah. You know, but and then you also, if you look at Carlin's trajectory of his career, you he was always who he was. So, mm-hmm. you know, yep. and that that's weird to think about. Maybe if you saw like Dan Whitney, who's Larry the Cable Guy, he was just Dan Whitney before Larry. But then I don't know. I don't know if you get that with Larry. Uh, you'd have to look at thirty years of that career to see if Larry changes. That would be an interesting, yeah, um, thing to look at. But. I'm a big, you know, fan of learning the process and especially Carlin has that uh, book last words, which was his biography, but I've listened to that a couple of times mm-hmm. in the Steve Martin book of, you know, uh, he was kind of always that, that gimmicky. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but like mm-hmm. doing magic and stuff yeah. throughout his whole career. And that's interesting just to, they could you can look back and look at a career and maybe pick some things from what they're doing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it's really good to listen to the masters and Steve Martin's another one that you know he he had a pretty short stand up career um, uh, compared to others. You know, I mean, it took him a long time to I think because I read the book too. Uh, it took him like what seven eight years before he finally hit. Um, mm-hmm. and, but he was writing like you, he was writing for Smothers Brothers and, mm-hmm. and different shows and stuff like that. But, uh, <laughs> when he finally found that, it, you know, it was, it was so good that he had to quit because people were screaming his act at him and he couldn't mm-hmm. even hear himself. So, you know, it's yeah. a good way to go out. <laughs> yeah. It, that it's going to be interesting to see like how somebody like Kevin Hart will do stand up if you will in the next 10 years because he's the you know he i think last year he was the highest paid comedian because i was just looking it up last night for something but and then it was still jerry seinfeld in 2019 was Mm -hmm. the second highest paid comedian and uh it'll be interesting to see if kevin hart still does stand up because he doesn't he doesn't have to he doesn't have to do anything he doesn't want to you know right 
Um, and then sometimes, you know, like Seinfeld, I still think he loves stand up, but also he's making a lot of money from the show. But it's uh, yeah, it's interesting to see what happens when you get famous and how like somebody like Chappelle has dropped like four or five specials mm-hmm. in the last couple of years. And he doesn't have to do anything he wants. He doesn't want to, you know, it's just interesting to see what people do with their careers. Right. Right. And it's neat how Chappelle just walked away for a number of years and then decided to come back on his own terms. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, and was just as funny or if not funnier than before. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely believe that. Um, so Brent, when people want to find you, where, where do they find you on the internet? Uh, brentcomedy.com is the website that has all the links to everything. Hopefully, um, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and YouTube and all that stuff that you hate to maintain, but that's necessary (laughs) evil. Um, and I do the, you know, the, we talked about those videos. I try to do those occasionally whenever something hits, um, that's the thing with those videos. Cause you try to make it regular, but sometimes it's just not going to be as good as if something just happened. But, yeah. um, yeah, all that stuff. And my podcast is called the field trip. Uh, I try to make it come out weekly, you know how that happens, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. but they're all, I try to, they're all, you know, you can go back and listen to all of them and I don't know that they're all time sensitive. So if you've not heard of me, you can go listen to all those. And hopefully by the time you're caught up, I'll be caught up too. Yeah. I really like yours. Yours appeals to me because it, it changes up. It, it's a little bit like um, uh, Dan Cummins' Time Suck. You know, he, it's okay, a different, yeah. different, different uh, subject every every week. And um, I mean, with you, you, you're talking to somebody and with him, it's just him on a monologue. But it's just really, it, it's good to mix it up. I mean, I do like a lot of podcasts that are just, uh, a certain topic like this one's mm-hmm. comedy obviously um and i like those too but i with yours i know that every week yeah it's going to be different so mm-hmm. and uh, uh that means that i don't have to think too hard uh, about uh what next week's going to be like or uh do my homework from last week or anything so that's cool yeah you, <laughs> you don't have to list the four episodes to listen to the fifth one <laughs> yeah yeah no doubt uh, well, it's been great having you on. Uh, it's it's nice to finally meet you almost in person, and uh, yeah, as close uh, as we can now. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, I'm in India a lot when we when we travel, so I uh, would would like to see you sometime uh, when you when you do a show. And do, do you ever do shows up here in South Bend? Uh, I haven't in a while. The last thing I did up there was the drop, maybe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, <clears throat> excuse me. I haven't in a while, but I'd like to come back. I'd like to be everywhere. So. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, it's been great having you on the show and, uh, you know, I wish you the best. Uh, I, I think you're funny and I love those videos. The one where you did your mom's garage sale. Oh yeah. <laughs> the, the and then she's super funny. You know, I, I don't tell her she that because I don't encourage yeah. her, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah. So thank you. And that was fun as just trying to take something that we were already going to do and make it funny anyway. So yeah, that's great. Well, thanks for being on the show, Brent. Thanks, man. And when you come to Indy, hit me up and uh, hopefully I'll be in town. Get out.